Hey everybody, welcome to Mastermind.fm. Today we have Dmitry Dragilev as a guest on board, and obviously you're joined by Jean Galea, myself from WP Mayor, and James Laws from WP Ninjas. Today we'll be talking about uh, something that's um, our guest called influencer marketing, as well as content marketing, PR, all these terms really are very similar so we'll be kind of digging into what's the difference between them and really how to improve your SEO results um, in this episode so there's a lot of good stuff that you should be aware of and if you'll during the episode you'll you'll hear Dimitri talking about some tools but just know that he'll mention them all in a list at the end of the show so you don't have to really worry about taking notes during the show because we'll also post them on the post that accompanies this show so without further ado let's dig into this episode with Dimitri. Uh, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks thanks good to be here. So for those of you of our listeners who don't know uh, what background you come from, please uh, let us know what um, websites you are involved with or are involved with currently and what's your speciality. Yeah, so I guess I'm the SEO PR guy. Uh, that's what people tend to say. Uh, I run a site called Just Reach Out. It's a tool that lets you pitch journalists without any help from PR firms. So all those small businesses, entrepreneurs, whoever is out there that can't afford $10,000 a month or $5,000 a month for a PR firm can uh, use the software at 65 bucks a month and uh, can do it themselves. And um, I also run a PR coaching program. It's a program where I coach people to not only reach out to journalists and get responses, but also, you know, do SEO and content marketing and, and marry that with uh, your PR outreach. So uh, so I run both of those things and um, that's my day, day to day now. <laughs> awesome. And uh, just if I, I think your background is really interesting as in uh, the stuff you did in the past as well, recent past. I know that you were you had other websites or helped other people in the industry get great results in SEO. So I'd love if you could share that with us. Yeah, so I mean, quite recently, I worked, uh, I was a, on, a, on a team, it was about three people, four people full time, and uh, we got acquired by Google within two years. I was the only marketing PR CEO guy. We had a CTO and an engineer and a CEO, and my, my job was to grow the company. So we grew from zero to 40 million page views in two years and got acquired by Google. And I chose not to join Google and actually ended up uh, building the service that I was talking about earlier. And so uh, that was through SEO, PR kind of uh, tactics, I guess. And uh, last 10 years or so, I've been doing SEO and PR for many different companies. Uh, but before that, I was a software engineer. Uh, and so, so that, that was probably one of the biggest successes, you know, I've, dealt with. I've published over 1,300 articles at this point, uh, whether through the help of ghostwriters and other writers I've employed, uh, and I continue to publish a lot, and write a lot for different publications. All right. Very interesting. So right away, I've got a few questions based on, on that. First of all, a lot of our audience is composed of WordPress, you know, business owners, developers, bloggers, and that kind of thing. And I guess in our a space PR is not something that we talk about a lot. I don't know if James has any um, feedback on that, but as far as I know, we don't talk about PR. We talk about a lot about SEO and stuff like that. But PR, I think it's reserved for something more in the startup space. And perhaps we're wrong to think about it like that. So I was wondering whether you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, PR is something that has changed a lot and the way I approach PR is very blogger driven, SEO driven. So uh, when I think of PR, I think about backlinks to a piece of content that's going to rank really high, that's going to bring me a lot of new readers and email subscribers. I don't think of PR in a sense that I'm launching a cool app and I need tons of people to download it. That's such a shallow way for me to 
approach PR or anybody really to think holistically about PR outreach. Because when you're doing PR outreach, essentially you're building relationships with other bloggers or journalists or influencers who will promote your brand, your website. And when you're pitching news, it's such a short game. You know, your, your news came and, and went and nothing, you know, you've got nothing to pitch in a month's worth of time. And while you can get some publicity of your launch or your news about merger or acquisition or funding, it's not a sustainable strategy. And so my approach to PR is mainly content driven. And so, for example, I want to rank number one for sales management. I do whatever I need to do to to do my PR outreach. You know, it could be say I, I call it influencer outreach, blogger outreach. It's any outreach to get somebody else to mention what you're working on, what you're doing, and to give you credibility in Google's eyes. And so my PR outreach is a little focused on um, just where like SEO and PR kind of meet each other. It used used to be different but but now in, in the way I do things is 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 this way you know this is how I think about it so it sounds to me like in a, in a lot of ways anyway that really we're using I I don't want to simp- oversimplify to this level but SEO and PR we're kind of using them in a, in a lot of ways in a synonymous term in, in some way because even backlinks is a this idea of an SEO strategy right the more reputable the content that links to you and that is related to your content obviously adds value to your to your site in the eyes of search engines and and the like and which something that you said was interesting too is about really about influencers right i i can't remember where i heard this last but this idea that i don't need to reach every i don't have to reach my market i just have to reach the top five influencers of my market because if the top five influencers of my market are writing about me and talking about me and are promoting me, uh, they will hear the message, right? That message will get out. And that has, that has, I don't, I, maybe that's oversimplifying. I don't have to reach my market, but a better way of reaching my market many times can be reaching the influencers in my market space. And so building that relationship as a, as a publicity channel is perhaps more effective than be trying to just spray paint the wall and try to hit a market right uh influence yeah so influencer marketing is a really hot term right now everybody's talking about it it's the hot thing to try and the i mean it's it's a new term i think it's been around for long as long as the internet really has been around because if people have an audience people other people would hunt after these people and pay them money uh, or figure out some kind of partnership to get at that audience and so um, what I typically think about is how can I provide value to those people, not necessarily pay money, but provide value. Because there's so many websites out there that match influencers with people who are trying to promote something. And so I want to get out of that loop of exchanging money and actually provide value to those influencers. And in my mind, an influencer is not somebody like Kevin Rose or... Tim Ferriss. Um, I mean, they are certainly influencers, but I my definition is much broader. It could be, you know, a reporter or journalist like Walt Mossberg, who's a, like a really old time technology reporter for Wall Street Journal, circa 1993. He he was reporting, and and now he runs. Kara Swisher and him run this thing called that used to be All Things D. Now it's Recode, but it could be somebody like that. It could be an an investor, you know, like uh, any of the VCs, like Fred Wilson of Union Square Ventures in New York City. He's got a great blog that a lot of startup entrepreneurs follow. That's an influencer in my, in my definition. And these people can promote your brand in many different ways. They can mention it on their blog. They can share it on social. They might even mention it in a casual conversation, you know, um, like, I was interviewed by Paul Klemp of the App Guy podcast. Paul Klemp just recently hung out with Steve Wozniak. He was talking about some of the other, uh, you know, guests that he had on my show on, on the show. So he can casually mention that, you know, Dimitri just reached out, was on the show since you're talking about PR. And so that relationship, influencer to influencer, might be really, really worthwhile because that's, that's an amazing thing for me. 
or me being on a podcast, other people who are on that podcast automatically associate with me and I can reach out and say, hey, I'd love to chat with you. We're both interviewed on this podcast. You seem to have an audience that makes sense you know, to work together. So yeah, influencer marketing, it's not, in people's minds, it's mainly I pay money and a, a girl or a guy who has a big audience can promote my brand or my blog posts. And it's not necessarily like that. I mean, you, you can do that, but it, it's much broader broader definition of many different things you can do. Um, but essentially, you're going after people's audiences. And in order to do that, you need to provide value up front, just like in, in any setting. When you're trying to build a little conversation or relationship with anybody, you want to give value up front. You know, even if you're trying to date someone, uh, you, you want to come, come off as you guys have something in common. So that's what I typically try and do with influencers. <laughs> and so how, what's the difference between content marketing and PR or influencer marketing or outreach? Sorry. Uh, for me, it's all similar and the same. I mean, I don't categorize things into words too much and don't tend to worry about term proper using proper terms. Um, at the end of the day, I want to write a piece of content or create a piece of content that ranks really, really high. And that's my end result. Because if it's ranking really, really high, from there I can figure out how much money I'm going to earn from it. So the way I earn money, where most bloggers earn money, is they have an email list. Now that email list needs to be converted into something. Bloggers who don't have a product or don't have a course, which I, I, I strongly advise that you email those email subscribers, ask them what they want and build that product for them because they're just sitting there for you. And, uh, but, but outside of that, you know, if you're not going to email your own email subscribers, you're not going to build something they actually asked you to build. Uh, you're probably going to be an affiliate. So you're going to be promoting other people's stuff and you're going to be taking a percentage of whatever that person sells. And, you know, it's up to you to pick who you're going to promote. Uh, you have people like Jeff Bulas of the world who just promote everything they can, they, they get, they, they see. And then uh, you have people there like Danny Inney, like very, very specific, you know. But um, uh, so um, a person who's a blogger, usually knows what how they're going to earn money or is figuring that out but to get that email list and to keep getting more and more email subscribers you got to rank really high and so i try and make sure i don't focus on the terms too much but just what do i need to do to get a piece of content to rank really high and that is a combination of pr outreach of guest writing of strategizing about keywords you're going to write you know if you're going to write about um, WordPress blog and how to start a WordPress blog, well, take a look on your homepage of Google or homepage, first page result on Google of how to write WordPress blog or how to start a WordPress blog and figure out, you know, what is the content that's ranking there now and what is the reason that that content is ranking really high? Is it because time on site is really high? Is it because the comments are really high on that piece of content? Is it because it's really de designed really well? and try and find holes in that piece of content. And if you really cannot find that many holes on Google, then chances are you just got to look for a different keyword that has a lot of search volume, but does not have really good content displayed on the first page of Google. And, you know, there's many different ways to find those, those keywords, but that's essentially the first part to, uh, to, devising a plan to rank really high you know and then it's a whole process after that i'm i'm curious you talked about so you know finding that keyword finding that top piece of content and and kind of evaluating it right for looking for the weaknesses the kinks in the armor the holes of where you can capitalize with better content to to, to hit that term what are some holes you would look for uh, when you're looking for content, what are some common like misses, even in top content that you think people might be able to uh, capitalize on? So the first thing I look at is the date of the content that's out there. So 
Uh, date is a really strong correlation to the recency of the content and how valuable that content still is. Uh, some content lives on for a long time, but I know that Google regards that significantly when it tries to evaluate content. So, um, and I, for example, sales management. When we were trying to rank for sales management, it was a, a term that was informative search term, and we picked that one because most of the content that was on, displayed on the front page of Google or first page result of Google was really old and outdated, and it was a little bit um, bureaucratic sounding. So it was very, very old, like small print, poorly designed. And so um, date was the first thing I saw. The next thing I look at is time on site. So really time on site. So how, how long do I think that people spend on all those other articles that are my competitors essentially? and how long do I want them to spend online? Of course, longer time on site, better results. Um, this third thing, so the first is recency, the date, then we have time on site. The third one is the topical depth of that site. So topical depth is really important and it's actually more important than number of backlinks. Um, number of backlinks, there have been a number of studies from my friends at Market Muse, Neil Patel, uh, even Brian Dean and have shown that backlinks do not matter as much anymore. And that's something that people are still stuck in and still think about a lot, but it's actually topical depth that really matters a great deal. So I'll give you an example. I rank number one for funny email sign-offs. It's a search term between 100,000 a month to 10 million a month. And my site has a total of maybe 40 links to it or 50 links to it total for all my blog posts. My site is about two years old. And um, I rank number two for the word cold email. I rank number two for the word email endings. All same search volume, 100,000 to 10 million. And in order for me to rank there, and I outrank Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, HubSpot, a lot of really authoritative domain, big ones. And in order for me to rank there, you know, I needed to show that my site is, it has a niche, like it's got an entire niche in the email space, cold emails, email endings, I needed to show that to Google because, and I wanted to publish long form content. Of course, my articles were better designed, longer, but that wasn't enough. It needed to, Google needed to understand that, hey, here's a site that specializes in this content, about email outreach, emailing people, cold email outreach. And when it compares that to Harvard Business Review, who has a much higher authoritative domain, it's much longer, been around way longer, it's got way more backlinks, but it writes about all sorts of stuff, right? And so right. that domain is not, in Google's eyes, an advocate or like an expert in only cold emailing, right? Um, because my niche is so, so small, but it's very focused, uh, Google regards that highly. And once Google understands that, then anything else I write on this topic uh, be it email outreach templates or business email templates or anything else will rank higher because Google regards me that way. And in fact, you can, you can do a lot of this research with a tool I've been using called Market Muse. And what these guys done, they basically reverse engineered Google Hummingbird to tell you and make suggestions for you on which topics you should be writing for. What, what do you have holes for in your articles to make Google realize that you are a niche in this space. So for me, I had to write about PR outreach or PR tools or PR outreach process or email templates. I needed to include all these different terms in my blog in order for Google to realize that, hey, the, this blog is really like the authoritative domain in this space only, like email outreach space. And so it started ranking me higher without, um, without me having to ask for backlinks. And of course, backlinks make sense. That's where PR comes in. So like, you know, you get, uh, 
guest articles, right? That's my PR. So I, I repurpose the same content. I guessed right. I backlink to the same blog post that I want want ranking for. But um, you know, I don't I don't go over three, four, five, six links for an article that I'm trying to rank. It's just not needed anymore. It's more about topical depth, I think. But when you talk about topical depth depth too, you're you're really talking about the topical depth of the domain, right? The the entire site. Because which it sounds to me, right, is if you're looking to to rank for a particular term and you go to that first website on the link and they may have a they may even have a killer article on that particular topic. But if their depth is that is out of their wheelhouse, right? Out of the topical depth that they have, you could target those exact same terms. And if that is your topical depth, right? If Google already knows that, you could almost instantly take that top position just because you already have that depth involved in your whole website, your whole domain. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If somebody tries to write about cold emails and it would be Forbes, they might jump in near me, but you know, if I write about cold emails and I write another article or I add stuff to the same article, and that's something that I do a lot is I actually, you know, I publish maybe one article every two months, but every week I improve the same article over and over and over again. So if I start seeing somebody come into my spot on Google for cold email, what I do is I start improving the existing article I have and I, I let Google know that I've updated it because the time slug changes every time. So the time of the published date, it, it does what Brian Dean suggests to do is it says last updated and it says the date. So it always looks at the very last time I updated the article. But yeah, essentially it will be harder for somebody to come in because they haven't established that topical depth to the level that I, I have. But I need to preserve it, so I need to keep adding new words that I identify that are related to email outreach, PR outreach, uh, that have not been covered yet. And so it's you know an ongoing process, I'd say. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty powerful in a way. And um, there's so many studies now that say, you know, quantity of links it really is not important anymore in terms of content you know nowadays people are doing all sorts of stuff with videos and a video uh, seo is a little a little different than um, the content and so like uh, what i was going to ask uh, earlier related to this was that at wp mayor we blog about all things wordpress so that's the generic type of website which has many topics and we've seen precisely this effect on our websites on our website when somebody came in with a completely new website writing about a specific topic and within a few months outranked us in topics that we'd been ranking number one two and three four years and so i was wondering what your advice would be for us as a generic website to be able to retain those top positions or regain them back yeah so this is what i do a lot actually on um you know when i don't when i'm not running the pr coaching program or the seo coaching program and uh, taking care of the software as i consult people uh, much like yourselves and so help them figure this out. Um, a lot of times what happens is the time on site and the design of your content is just um, not as good as somebody else's or somebody else is trying to really, really hard establish a um, topical depth in the space. So in this case, what I typically use is I use something called Market Muse and you can do this research on your own with other tools, but what MarketMuse does is it analyzes your site and it tells you here are topics that are related to WordPress blogs that have not been covered by your competitor. And your competitor is weak in these terms. So for me, for example, it was email endings and business email templates and PR outreach process and what is a PR tool? And these types of topics, my competitors who are inching in on me to uh, overtake my spots or overtook them at some point, they were weak at these terms because what the tool does is just crawls and it tries to create different permutations and synonyms of similar words that you write about. And it tries to see how well our competitors covering those topics. 
In other words, how many times does this word appear in their articles? And it's something that is really hard to do when you know, you're doing this manually. But the tool does this and it tells you specifically, all right, here are the terms that your competitors are weak at. They're outranking you, but if you write about them, chances are you will be seen much stronger. Now you gotta write something, three, 4,000 word article that's very, you know, digs deep into this because you know, you're trying to outrank them, but um, that is basically filling the holes in Google's eyes to make you the authoritative sort of uh, expert in the field that has all the different key terms covered in this domain of expertise. So that it's no question to Google who is the most uh, authoritative source. You can do this without kind of using these tools and messing around just by taking a quick look at their site and just trying to understand kind of what is their domain of expertise and how does that compare to yours and, and how would Google kind of look at the two. So if, if there was a, a panel of judges and everybody sat down and it was just like according to these 10 people they're going to decide who's the biggest expert in this field um, and they would look that entire, on the entire blog, yours compared to them, you know, what is it that's, that's missing from yours that they might have in terms of the content and you can kind of start to see what they don't have and what you might want to kind of look improve upon um, I would again not think about creating five articles a week one article a week two articles a month like that nobody needs frequency like that's not in, in Google's eyes like the number of articles you turn out a, a week it's not it's not it's, it's not quality uh, that that Google is looking for. I understand that you need to have a beat and you can do that different ways and, and show that you're alive to your readers by sending other stuff or doing roundups of other content. You can, do, you know, like, and you can update um, time um, on each blog post on your own. Uh, but um, what I would do is improve existing articles and create really, really highly quality articles based on those holes that you find that your competitors are not covering. Yeah, very, very interesting. And so so the way I understand it is, let's say we're um, uh, targeting WordPress hosting as our niche. And there's a website that's launched, it's wordpresshosting.com. And this guy is just writing about WordPress hosting specifically, churning out good article after good article. And he's taken away the top spot from us as a generic WordPress website blog. So the way I, as, as I understand it, it's not the case that since he's got the domain and specificity that we're totally out of the game we can recover by building all that content based on wordpress hosting and have like uh, several articles and maybe have the design point to a guide with several articles or steps to follow in selecting a host and it doesn't mean that we just have to launch a new site specifically on wordpress hosting no actually time time is a great factor so you want to the site to be around longer and that looks better in Google's eyes. But yeah, essentially, I mean, if somebody's starting to outrank you, so what's happening is Google sees somebody putting out amazing content that is very up to date and it just looks spectacular to Google. And like I was saying earlier, um, that person doesn't have as many backlinks as you, but Google is starting to perceive that that other site is actually a topical depth better than what you have. Even though you've been around longer, you might have written way more articles on this topic. This guy goes in deep, so so niche, so niche on that one topic that Google thinks, you know what? This guy is probably a better site than these guys because he's writing amazing content. And he might have three articles only, it doesn't matter. That content is great and it might be doing well it might be getting comments that's another like signal that content is getting a lot of like engagement and so google looks at engagement time on site click-through rate right from this uh, the headline to the article itself and the content you know quality there 
And and so what you're trying to do is say, okay, well, this guy's trying to come up, become niche in this one space. How can we become less of a generalist in this and, and more of a niche in this one space? So let's look at all the articles that have written, we've written on this topic. Let's update them with all this other information, add stuff to them to make them stronger, right? And so that's how an article becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. It's, it's a little hard for Google to look at one article and second and third and fourth and fifth and, and really piece them all together and say this, this is a great piece of content together. So if it looks at one article and it rescans it time after time and it sees more stuff added to it, it sees time on site increase, it's a little easier for Google to, to, to understand that this piece of content is improving or is better than something else that's trying to rank, um, at least from what I've seen, you know, I've, for cold email, um, that just that term cold email, you know, I was on like page 15 and 10 and five and people overtook it for a long time from me. And what I did diligently is just add more information to that original blog post and keep improving it. More visuals, more bullet points, less paragraphs, and just tracking time on site and getting deeper, deeper, deeper into the guide. I introduced, um, at some point I had um, just scrollable uh, legend so that people can click on and, and, and hyperlink down to an anchor to specific sections of the guide to the article so it's more easier to consume information that improve the usability and I think of it as a product really you know you're always trying to improve the product long onwards you're never just it's never sitting stale there and that's why you know that's why Brian Dean has I don't know 40 articles on his website or something 45 or so but you know he's Brian Dean and he doesn't have to write so many articles majority of his time he spends improving the existing articles and that's what you know. I learned from him, and um, he was a customer of ours, and I helped him out with it too. So awesome. Um, so as a follow-up question, a lot of the people in our space are micro or small businesses, usually with having or solo managing everything solo or having very small teams and obviously time stretched and even the budget is stretched and the value proposition you're describing is obviously everybody can see the value in ranking um, in the top places in google but how do we make sure if we're a small business how to make sure that our efforts both in even hiring somebody like you or even putting in our own time how do we make sure that the time and expense is profitable in, in the end how is there some kind of tool that we can monitor how things are doing well what i would do is i would i would do two things one is the seo thing and i i that you should read ex, your expectations is pretty much everything with this stuff so you would you would have long-term expectations and short-term expectations when you when you engage in something like this so Ranking on the first page of Google, it just is not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen over a month. It might happen in three months. It might happen in two months. It might happen in four months. But it just you just don't go to the first page of Google usually and stay there within like a week or two. It just doesn't usually happen, especially if you're a small business. So you have to assume that, you know, you're going to be paying three, four months uh, some kind of retainer to a consultant to do this or hiring somebody for that long uh, to do this work or doing it yourself for that long and it it's it's an investment and you know it it and it's very unclear as a small business owner okay i'm ranking number one on this on this page you know it, it gets 10 million searches you know how much traffic will i get and then how much of it will actually convert so you know, you can do some estimates. What you can do a lot of times, what I do is I try and email people. If I see somebody who's actually like me, who's ranking there, I'll email them and say, listen, I'm a small business. I'm just starting with SEO. I don't know anything about it, uh, but I see that you're ranking really high. And I was just wondering, you know, what the process you went through was. And if you could share, you know, if I was going to get even close on similar terms, uh, what would the traffic look like and the conversion from it? 
um, just reaching out to other small businesses who are already ranking for for something. But in general sense, you you know you your ranking really high will be great and you will probably get a lot of customers every day from it um, but it might take you half a year and so you need something short term to supplement that strategy your short term thing should be something like answering questions on quora or answering questions on reddit or doing something where you're answering opportunities from journalists themselves so believe it or not every day thousands of journalists submit queries and say hey I'm writing an article about uh, WordPress bloggers uh, and how WordPress have dominated the industry in the blogging space I love it's for entrepreneur uh, I'm, I have a deadline on Friday this week I'd love to chat with somebody who is an experienced blogger and ask them a few questions and you can respond to these and they come out every day and so uh, we aggregate that kind of stuff but there's other services like helperreporter.com which aggregate where they're free and you can kind of look through those and respond to them and even if you don't have a product you don't have a full blog site you don't have anything built yet this will get you to practice this kind of stuff and get you a little bit of exposure if you respond to somebody and they talk to you, you have a connection, then you can come back to them when you're ready to launch something. And so, um, same with Quora, you know, Quora is a great example. We had a, a student of mine, uh, the guy's never done PR, he's from Germany, his English is not his first language at all. He started a blog and he had a piece of software he created. Never had a user, just was just really struggling. And he signed up for the course, we talked, and I said, listen, you know, the best thing you can do right now, if you really want a little bit of exposure, is just answer a few questions on Quora in your expertise. And the only thing he knew about is how to stay productive, because that's his software, that's his blog on productivity. And so uh, he answered the Quora question, which he caught at the time that it was starting to trend. And he gave the best answer. And Quora answers are kind of like SEO, right? So if you have the best content uh, in terms of an answer, it'll get upvoted to the top. And if it's a very popular question thread, well, guess what? It might get included in a digest or an email. And that's what happened. This email, uh, this question that he answered got included in the daily or weekly email that Quora does to 68 million people. And within 24 hours, he had over a million views of his answer alone on that thread. And he got over 600 customers that signed up for his software and lots of email subscribers. Um, and so it's a sh like a low-hanging fruits, I call them. Answer some core questions. Answer some of these press opportunities that reporters are seeking for every day. And then in the long term, work on your SEO rankings and writing, writing content and trying to rank the high for those. But just know that that'll take a little bit of time. And, you know, like it won't be, it, it'll take a little effort and time and money to get there. Um, so, and, you know, measuring success out of that stuff, just documenting your, your actions and the outcomes. So I would... Every day what I do is I'm like, answered core question, here's what happened, had this many followers on that core question who are following this, this answer, uh, got three clickovers, no customers, and, and so I would document my efforts to try and learn from it. And then with the SEO stuff, I would document, you know, how am I ranking um, on, on Google, uh, you know, today versus yesterday and, and track those rankings. Um, so, I mean, I use SEMrush, I use Ahrefs, uh, but, you know, it, it's uh, pretty basic in terms of just record your actions, record what the outcome is, and then just experiment until you get to the point where something is working for you on a regular basis. All right. Uh, yeah, that sounds very doable. So for somebody like me who has limited resources, I can definitely see that as being a doable thing. Um, I have a follow-up question. So we've, with, with our aggregator plugin, we've kind of re saw, we kind of seen the traffic peak and then flatline over a year or two. 
and the, the keywords we usually look at, we're ranking quite highly in them. So my question is, how do you know whether there's this organic traffic that, this, that you can possibly reach? How, how do you make sure that you've kind of did the maximum SEO you can do and you can't reach any more people more than what you're already reaching because you're already ranking in all your preferred keywords? Um, I would do, so, I mean, there, there's really just tons of different combinations of different keywords you could be ranking for that are in your domain that are just different terms of the same subject. And so what I typically think about is whether the search intent is informative or transactional. So um, for me, everything comes down to the bottom like dollar, right? So how much money will I make if I'm ranking for that? I don't want to rank just for the sake of ranking, right? And so uh, I look at commercially, commercial words, commercial intent uh, for words um, might be secondary. So uh, people that are searching for cold email want to get better at cold emailing someone, but at the end they want to sell something. And so they, they need to uh, get to their end means and I need to get to my end means and we can kind of help each other. And so, um, so when, I, when I'm ranking for something that I wanted to rank for and I'm pretty high up there and I got the traffic I, I, I think I deserve, right? Uh, and a lot of times I don't know if that's the right traffic but it seems good to me. What I try and do is see what are my competitors ranking for, you know, in my space people who are ranking for specific words, what is their main ranking? That's easy to do with SEMrush. You can kind of see what they, they're ranking for and then see you know, what other link up or, or ranking opportunities are out there for me that are not necessarily related to what I'm ranking to for right now. And so I don't think there's ever really a limit to rank for different combinations. There's just higher ones and lower ones so you can rank for lower long longer tail words and you won't get as much traffic but you're still ranking for them and it might be way more specific to what you are actually selling than these more broad ones that are like two word or one word kind of words that are you know very hard to rank for and so i never run into the situation where there's a limit uh, in terms of ranking um, i just come up with new a lot of the work that I do is I try and come up with just different um, synonyms of the same topic that seem to have bad content and so and that ends up becoming more of a strategy and then what I typically do is you know the first thing I do is like all right I'm ranking for cold email like I got that word right then the next thing I want to do is I can I create a video that ranks for that. And that's a whole new set of kind of guidelines to follow if you're doing a video. The, the, the things that are really important in video is actually comments, right? The comments under, under your YouTube video or um, number of shares, these kind of things. Um, length is a really, like high definition is a really important factor for, for SEO, for videos. And how can I pull in traffic through video? And then, you know, Podcast would be the other medium. So try and hit different, uh, different mediums to convey that same message so that you become sort of like the authority in WordPress hosting and not only on informational search or commercial intent search on Google, but you're an expert on YouTube as well, .com, YouTube.com. And then, you know, you're, you're an expert I don't know, on Quora as well and on some of these other sites where they're not necessarily, you know, YouTube is probably as big as Google, but, you know, some of these others are not, but you're still coming up number one across all of them because you already essentially already have the content, right? You just got to repurpose it. You got to repurpose it so that you're ranking on YouTube or on the podcast or on App Store or on the podcast. I'm, um, I have an interview with Founder Magazine at 5 p.m. today. And they did a fantastic job at ranking their podcast on App Store. They basically used the name of the, of the guest that they had 
and they, they did it really nicely where they, they would put like Tim Ferriss and then they would put all the different things after, after his, it was mainly all about him. And then at the very end, it's something like Founder Magazine or something like that. And so uh, they did those very early on, but they kind of grabbed a lot of attention on the App Store. And that was a, their, their primary means of, of gaining traction is just podcast alone. You know, they, they're not very savvy on the web in terms of their articles. And I was just talking to them yesterday saying, you guys got to step up your game on the web, you know, because you guys are doing fantastic on the App Store. But the web, you guys really suck, you know? And so it's kind of like a balance between all the different mediums. If, um, if you got the content that's working in one, you can probably make it work on the, on the, in the other as well. That's a very, very good point. Actually, I think we've personally be, we've been too focused on Google while ignoring stuff like YouTube, where you can, might be getting a thousand visitors from Google every day and you can't really break that barrier, but there might be another thousand in YouTube or specifically from Quora or other sites which can drive traffic directly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, fa- it's a fantastic source of traffic. Awesome. So, uh, James, I don't know if you have any questions. My last question, um, if you want, you can end with it, or maybe there's some other question from James. You've been mentioning a number of tools that we, we could use. Uh, I was wondering whether you could just briefly mention the most popular or most common tools that you use and what you use them for in a nutshell. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, everybody knows SEM Rush. SEM Rush. I, I just keep getting more and more value out of that tool. I mean, I use it for keyword research, specifically finding keyword opportunities that um, other competitors are ranking for and that I can potentially rank for. Uh, that's my main main use case for that tool. I can look at you know all sorts of backlink profiles I, and even you know it even gives me something like uh, estimated traffic. you know if I was going to rank for this position, well, this keyword, how much traffic would I get? And also, you know, how much money would I have to spend on AdWords to, uh, to get that traffic? And so SEMrush has been really good to me. Um, I've recently started using Ahrefs. They, Ahrefs is a pretty well-known tool. They, they, be, they became my customer and I, I consulted them for a little bit on their own uh, blogging strategy there. But uh, they have a keyword tool that they just came out with, which is a pretty decent decent um, tool that, you know, it's, um, it's similar to kwfinder.com, which is, uh, or that I, K, kwfinder, it's keyword finder, which is another keyword tool. And, you know, there's so many of these out there now. And um, I, I typically stick with SEMrush. Um, I do delve into the keyword tools like Ahrefs and the KW Finder. Um, the other thing is Market Muse. That's the one that I mentioned, and it's not a cheap tool. And there's, to to be frank, you know, there's the, the consultants there that kind of service the tool. You kind of need their service. I mean, I think. It's not going to be a couple hundred bucks a month. It's going to be like thousands of dollars a month. And so, but the value prop there, because they have to help you interpret these results and and make sense of them and make decisions on them. And that's why it's a thousand bucks a month or 500 a month, I forget. I think I had like a promotional rate with them. But the founder is actually a good friend of mine, Aki. Uh, But Market Muse, you know, they, they, they do a much deeper dive into the data. So, not, you know, with SEMrush, I can sit there and search around and just get some ideas and see what my, you know, competitors are ranking for. And, oh, maybe I can do this one here. And, oh, this is how much traffic I might get um, with, with uh, Market Muse. It tells me straight up, like, Dimitri, you got holes. Like, here's five topics you have holes for in your blog. You write about these five topics, you will outrank these people right here. And so it's a much more sophisticated algorithm, and I guess very directed. But interpreting that those results, you know, they just launched very early, or I think early this year, late last year, late last year, a public-facing sort of solution. 
And I know like Rand Fishkin has been involved with them for a long time. And I know they've been coding the algorithm for like seven years. So they haven't even like done anything. And so, or something crazy, like six years or seven years. I, I'm like, God, like the internet has been like, like internet, most of my internet career. Like, uh, so uh, I don't know. I've been doing this for like 10 years really heavily. So like they've been coding up for a long time. And so they have a pretty sophisticated algorithm. So I, um, I'm trying to get more and more into it right now because I, I saw the value so far. And so I want to get more, but it's very expensive. So most people might kind of shy away from it and can't afford it. So I would SEMrush, um, Ahrefs, um, those are like the tools I play around with it, play around with. And what do you use for monitoring rankings? So my rankings, like SEMrush is pretty good. Um, I typically like have been doing it on my own because I like to see the search results and just to see what is happening. And if I use a tool, it's a little hard to figure out where uh, the search results are positioned. Like if I do a search results, they're different on different devices at different time. They're different in different locations at different time. And so if I Google it myself, logged out in incognito or um, on a different machine than mine, just to see, um, it just gives me an idea of, you know, I kind of almost learn what the, my competitors are. Like every day, if I Google it, I, I know what the first 10 search results are for that term. You do it for like three weeks, I don't know, three months, two months. You kind of like are on first term basis with those search results. You know them really well. And so lately I've been doing that and not using the tools because I want to learn, like I, I'm kind of want to live inside those search results and I'm like, I need to see them every day to just know um, what is it that they're doing? Are they adding anything to them? I'm like, oh look, a time changed on one of those search results and it jumped up one spot. I'm like, I wonder, or look, one of them changed their title a little bit. And so it helps me to just Google it and document in a Google sheet. So I've been doing that lately. <laughs> And I guess like even the descriptions, like to see which one makes you want to click through, that's different. So you can be a, have a lower ranking, but have a more catchy description or title, as you said. Yeah, a lot of times. I mean, Google will correct that if it's really out of place. But, um, but I remember Brian Dean did this, or no, that was Rand Fishkin, I think. They did this experiment. Yeah, Rand Fishkin, maybe. I think it was how to to get high and it was how to get high rankings, right? But the somehow the title got cut off and it was just how to get high. And <laughs> Google started ranking it for how to get high and all these weed and like crazy, like, like pot smokers uh, would find that article and would be like, oh, this is awesome. Click over to it and it'd be like about rankings or like leave. And so Google immediately found that like time on site was just so low for that click through. So they immediately shot it down to page 20 of how to get high and started fronting it up more in context with SEO stuff. And that was a good uh, kind of case study that, you know, like click through rate does have an impact, but time on site, you know, balances things out. So you want that time on site to be long. Is there a way to measure this time on site apart from visually looking at it yourself? Well, for competitors, it's really hard. For yourself, uh, for your own site, of course, like so Google Analytics shows you time on site and they can actually tell you, you know, like each, each article or whichever section of the site that you want to look for. So Google Analytics will tell you for your own site. For competitors, it's, you kind of have to estimate it. So I usually, if I don't know the person who's running that site, I try and make friends with somebody who's outranking me and then at some point ask them just like out of curiosity, you know, we're redesigning our homepage. I see like you guys are ranking really well. Like what's a good time on site? Like what's your time on site? Kind of delve into like that conversation that way. And and somebody might just tell you, you know, like if you're friends or you provided some 
so that you have some research data to know that it's like the guy's on number page number one, like he's blanking number three with this guy with this article and his time on site is this. So I'm like, all right. Because you can't, you don't have that data and it's really hard to try and jump to something. But I usually have an approximation, like if somebody is on page two, you, you might be on page two when you're at time site of three minutes. Page one is probably like five minutes or something like that. Uh, but you know, like you just estimate or you make friends with them and try and <laughs> snoop. <laughs> Yeah, because competitors love uh, like, hey, I wanna, I wanna beat your ranking. How long is your time on site, and what are your tips and tricks? How'd you get there so that I can pass you by? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. So you you end up kind of uh, doing things like differently. So you you like ask them, tell them like, hey, you use the whole um, like we're both in the same space and we're trying to uh, kill the bigger guy. Kind of yeah. thing, you know, like so, like uh, we we want to outperform, like a fellow brother one to another, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to help you. You help me, you know. Let I'd love your article. We'd love to include you more in there. Can we interview you? Can uh, can I interview you and feature you on my site? And then like these touch points lead you to the relationship development. That's what a lot of like the PR stuff that I teach, like how to develop a relationship with somebody uh, and then, you know, like ask them. So once you have some common ground with that person, once you like, I have a, this guy, Greg, that I'm talking to today at four, he runs Muckrack. Muckrack is a competitor, just reach out. And so we developed a relationship over this common ground of, you know, we both want to like, kill you know these huge scissions of the or like these huge mega behemoths of like pr space and that charge thousands of dollars a month or pr firms and and then, you know like i have sometimes i there's like friendly rivalry between us but uh we we talk and um we help each other out and so um today i'm talking to him and i'm asking him I'm having this problem with churn rate, you know, how did you solve it? And I don't know, he's probably going to tell me some, some things that I might be able to use. I don't know, but that kind of stuff usually helps. And then if he has any problems or something, he can ask me, I don't know. We, uh, I had a page up that said, um, alternatives to muckrack. Actually alternatives too is a, is a, is a big thing. Uh, people forget about so you put up a page alternatives to specific brand, and uh, it's actually pretty powerful to outrank someone. And so we were like outranking Muckrack pricing with that page alternative to Muckrack, which was crazy. It was his native term, market uh, Muckrack pricing. In fact, Google ended up putting like an info box around that term around our page. It was just really <laughs> horrible, and. You know, like he called me, he's like, dude, you know, we both live in New York, like we're kind of fighting around the same people. Could you stop? It's just not cool. <laughs> yeah. Can you just stop? Like this is not, can you just take it off? Like I know that we kind of are not good at SEO, but like people are looking for muckrack pricing. They're raining on your page. It's talking about us in a bad way. Like just like take it down because we're friends and we're both in the startup space trying to fight the same problem. And I'm like, all right, no problem. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be like, no, you know. <laughs> I, but, um, yeah, so there's something to say, like, for friendly rivalry. Or, and then, like, if you put things in perspective, like, it's not really going to kill them if they tell you how long this time on site is. And you can make it seem like you interviewed them. They're the expert. You just want to ask them, like, yeah what a typical good site should have, you know? So, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's a good technique. I'm going to try it out and let you know how it goes. Yeah, let me know as you do the outreach too. Um, yeah. It's all about, outreach is a whole beast of its own, but yeah, there's a lot of tips and tricks you follow to try to get responses and stuff. All right, so I guess we've got a lot of homework to do based on all this good stuff that you've been talking to us about. Um, as we close things off, uh, where can people reach you? And if you have any parting words, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, 
parting words is um, outcome, 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 and set your goals, right? Your goals should not be thousands of them or 10 or 20 of them a year. It really should be one metric, and it should be uh, a goal that you're trying to reach within a month, two, and three. And so trying to figure out where, where your goals are and what they are and where you want that metric to be three months down the line, six months down the line, and then from that, start figuring out what you're going to do SEO-wise or PR outreach or whatever you're doing. But um, have that outcome and goal in mind, whatever you do. And only focus on that one metric. Every time I open up a new browser window, uh, my metric is number of email subscribers because I care about that the most. Like, that's how much money I will make. You know, I can backtrack from that number. And so... Um, if that's your number, then you should be staring at that number every day and you should be seeing that every time you open up a new tab in Google Chrome. And so um, for me, it just makes sure I focus on the right stuff day to day to get that email subscriber count higher and higher and higher. And I have specific metrics I want to hit. If it's podcast listeners, then it's, it's something else. But it's just make sure you have that metric and you're working towards it and just to stay focused. Um, so that's my like parting advice and then yeah they can reach me um, there's uh, justreachout.io is the SaaS platform that helps you pitch journalists uh, so justreachout.io uh, my blog criminallyprolific.com that's where I kind of blog and have my little area where I show all the guest articles and things um, and then my coaching program PR that converts it's all kind of could, can be linked up in the notes, but, um, but those are the three places. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much for being with us, Dimitri. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank yeah, you. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. It was a great episode with uh, Dimitri talking a lot about uh, PR, SEO, influencer, uh, you know, kind of engaging influencers to market your product, uh, what to look for to rank higher for your content. Really awesome. Probably one of my favorite takeaways, John, was the uh, really finding holes in the content when you're searching. So as you as you're searching for, uh, you know keywords that you're trying to rank for and you're right and you know you're an influencer or that you are a you have what he called topical depth of a particular topic you can look at the rankings look at the top rankings see what you know what's making them rank high right like see how they got there but look for the holes that you might be able to so i just wrote a few of these down right date make sure that they're if their content is old that's a, that's an opportunity for you to write fresh new relevant content uh the time on the site so it, some of that is kind of some gut check work right like how long are people probably spending on this page? And I think some of that you can tell by looking at the page itself, just by getting a feel for the content on its own. Um, that idea of topical depth, if, if the site ranking is not, that's not their, their core competency of topic, and it is yours, you have an opportunity there. And of course, engagement, right? So if people are engaging with that content, or if you think you can get better engagement with your own content, writing about the same topic, targeting those same keywords, probably one of my favorite takeaways. Jean, did you have maybe a a, a favorite thing? I know you you uh, kind of walk away with a, from a lot of these episodes with, a, with like a list of things that you want to implement into your own business. Uh, so I was wondering if you had a particular takeaway that stood out. Yeah, I mean, what's, what I like, what I liked about what I was saying was that there's also the human element of reaching out to people and building the connection. Even when he was talking about asking them about uh, the time on site that they are having or other relevant things that can improve your business as well. So it's obviously building these relationships work possibly better than any automated tool can help you build um, your positioning and that was one of the key takeaways for me as in this was something new that i've heard from the seo space and also the date that you mentioned i would just um, um i would just have our users check online you'll find lots of articles on how to change the date because it's 
not so simple yeah, um, for right. Google to, to actually update the date on, on their site. It's one thing updating your, your date on your WordPress blog, and it's another thing for Google to pick it up and actually show the updated date. But there are lots of articles about this, this topic. So if you're going to do that, just have a look online and see what the articles say. You're looking to push to Google the modified date, right? The date that the article was modified. So that may yeah. help you in your Google searching term. How do you how do you make sure Google picks up the modified date of your blog mm -hmm. post? Um, and you'll probably find a wealth of information on that. Yeah, and uh, obviously the tools that uh, Danny, I'm um, sorry, Dimitri mentioned, all good stuff that uh, there were a few of, of them like Market Muse, which I wasn't familiar with. So I'm definitely going to be checking those out. And yeah, I think those were the biggest takeaways for me. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed what was a, uh, I think, a content-rich episode of Mastermind.fm. And as always, if you enjoy Mastermind.fm, we want to encourage you to head on over to iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, if you have a question about something that we've covered or a topic you would like us to cover, just head on over to mastermind.fm and send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can always email us directly at podcast at mastermind.fm as well. And you can always find us on Twitter at, uh, at mastermind.fm without the dot. And you can communicate with us there. We're always posting out uh, the latest episodes and previous episodes keeping you up to date with what's going on. And we'd love to communicate with you. Uh, Jean, how can they get in touch with you if they would like to do so? Yeah, they can tweet to me on Twitter at Jean Galea or also check out my blog, which is updated quite regularly now. I'm trying to make an effort to post more and more this year. So feel free to reach out at any of those avenues. And uh, yeah, James. You can contact me on Twitter at James Laws. Uh, you could go to my website, but I don't even have a contact form and I don't update it at all. So that would be a waste of time. So just contact me on Twitter, James Laws. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you next time. Have a great week. See you.